0: let us pray lord as your scriptures are read and proclaimed this day we ask that by the power of your holy spirit that our hearts our minds and our very lives may be transformed by your holy spirit thank you for your gift of scripture we pray amen This morning I was getting ready for church and like so many of you probably do as well, I was looking at my phone. Don't all of you look like you don't do it too <laughs> And I was uh, uh, looking through my phone and I uh, uh, looking through social media and I saw a couple of interesting posts. I saw where somebody was having bacon and eggs for breakfast. I saw where somebody was planning to go to the grocery store. Somebody else had posted about a wedding they had gone to. And my reaction to all of this interesting breaking news Well, so what so what who cares I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever looked at social media and thought that who cares right now I'm sure if you look anything I post you think this is the most profound stuff you have ever heard But outside of me and the stuff that Brian posts from the church, I'm sure a lot of times you're like, who cares? Why is somebody telling me this? And a question that then comes to my mind is, is God like that when we tell him things? The Bible tells us over and over that we are to go to him with prayer. We are to go to him whenever uh, uh, we, we have a, a joy or a concern, whenever something good happens, whenever, whenever we are scared, whenever we are happy. But does God ever go, so what? Who cares? Why are you telling me this? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning. If you remember from last week, we are looking at the final uh, few uh, moments uh, or uh, hours of Jesus' life, the the final 24 hours really to, to be exact. And last week, we looked at Jesus and his disciples at the last meal they would ever share together, that meal that we call the Last Supper. Well, now we are at about 11 o'clock on that Thursday night. If you remember, uh, uh, Jesus would die at at about uh, 3 o'clock on Friday, so Jesus has... uh, 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 less than 24 hours to live at this point. And Jesus had already told his disciples that one of them, one of the 12 that had traveled with him throughout the three years of his ministry, one of the 12 who had uh, seen the miracles, who had seen the teaching, who had witnessed Jesus doing miraculous things, who had traveled those dusty, dirty roads with Jesus. One of those 12 was going to betray him. Mark tells us that after the meal, Jesus and the disciples, they they sang a song. And the the song uh, that they sang was probably... Psalm 118, which uh, was was there on on the screen uh, just a moment ago for you, Uh, and it is known as the Hallel. The Hallel is sung uh, still today after a seder meal, and it goes like this: Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my sow. After they sung that hymn, Jesus and his disciples headed to a special place called the Garden of Gethsemane. John tells us that Jesus and his disciples often met there. This spot was a favorite of Jesus. It was where he went to be close to God. It, it was just uh, uh, outside of the city on what is known as the Mount of Olives. And Gethsemane means olive press or press. So there was an olive press there, uh, an olive trees. Uh, olive oil is still a, a major commodity in that area. And it was where Jesus and his disciples went to, to to be alone. And it's where Jesus liked to go and to pray. As they entered Gethsemane, Jesus asked his disciples to watch and to pray. Then he took his three closest followers Peter, James, and John, and and went a little further into the garden. After the four of them were away from the other disciples, Jesus began to display his anguish over what was going to happen. He began to display his anguish over his betrayal. I mean, imagine Jesus for a moment being betrayed by one who he has loved more than anything. One who he thought was a friend. Jesus also knew what was coming the next day. See, Jesus would have seen people being crucified by the Romans all the time. This was the normal way that the Romans dealt out capital punishment. And after somebody would be crucified, their body would be left hanging on the cross as a deterrent for others not to do crime, not to do anything that the Romans thought was wrong. And so Jesus went and he prayed. And he prayed what is probably the most heartfelt prayer in the Bible. He didn't use fancy terms when he prayed. Have you ever noticed this that the words you use to pray changes often based on your situation? If you're asked to stand up here on a Sunday morning and to pray, you are probably going to spend some time writing what it is you're going to say. And there might even be a few thousand arts in it, right? Lord, thou art my Lord. I'm guilty of it. You all know me. Sometimes you think, who's saying that? I've never heard him use those words. I like my thesaurus. But the question is, does God care? No. God doesn't care what words you use. I'm sure he owns a thesaurus too. But when you are really scared... When you are really afraid, when you are, are, are really needing the Lord's comfort, you're not worried about the fancy terms. You just want to talk to your Heavenly Father. And that's how Jesus was. Jesus said, Abba, Father. Now, the, the, the word Abba sometimes gets translated as Daddy, and that's not really true. That's a little too informal, Um, Think of it more as like dad, right? Uh, Daddy is more of something a little kid would use. Dad is is, is just more of an informal term. So Abba would be uh, like dad, father. Jesus continued, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus prayed a prayer that might sound shocking to some of us today. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. We don't need a lot of explaining to know what Jesus is asking there, do we? Jesus is saying, God, if it's possible, I don't want to die on the cross. He's saying, God, if it's possible, I don't want to suffer. If it's possible, take this from me. If it's possible, I don't want my friends to betray and desert me. If it's possible, take this from me. And that doesn't seem like something Jesus would say, does it? If you're like me, you like to think of Jesus as like a superhero, right? Who stands there until the very end of it all, bravely dying. I think of the Terminator, right? The end of Terminator 2, and he's falling into that. You're like, oh no, please don't, don't tell me he's comparing Jesus to the Terminator, but I am. As he's like... Falling into that big, melty thing, and he just puts his thumb up like this and, you know, melts. That's how we like to think of our heroes. That's how we want to think of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't some superhero in a silly movie. Jesus was a real person. And like you and me, Jesus had real emotions. And like you and me, Jesus said, God, if it's possible, take all this from me. I don't want to do it. And what that tells me is that when I am scared, when I am hesitant to do what God is calling me to do, when I am hesitant to do what I know I need to do, when I am hesitant to do what is right because it is hard, I am not being a sinful person. I'm being a real person. But... But Jesus doesn't end his prayer there. He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. And that's the hardest part right there. This is what I want, God. But it's not about me. Your will be done. Jesus could have said no at any time, but he didn't. Because what was important was that he do God's will, not his own. He put himself second. And that's hard. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to put myself second in any situation, right? It doesn't matter what situation, I don't want to be second. I want to be in charge. I want to be the captain of my own ship. But when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are not the captains of our own ship. Jesus is. When we are following Jesus, we are not in charge. Our God in heaven is. John 15, 7 tells us this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There are many verses in the Bible just like this, saying that if we pray, God will give us what we want. But this raises the question, Don't all those verses kind of counteract what Jesus just did there? No, because Jesus said this, my words remain in you. See, when we pray, we need to ask God for what we have on our hearts, but we need to keep the words of Jesus in our hearts as well. And that means we need to make ourselves second. So whatever we ask God for, we need to always keep in the front of our minds that, that, that our will is second to God's will. And if we keep that in mind, whenever we pray, God will respond to us. Now, it's important for us to realize that God isn't a wishing well. Now, when I was a little kid, I didn't always think that. And I remember thinking, if I just prayed hard enough, I am going to get myself a new bicycle. <laughs> Did it happen? Mm, well, eventually I got a new bike, but that was years, years ago. No. Um, Last night, I was uh, watching a, uh, a video of a, of a woman who was an amputee, and she was talking about how she no longer is a Christian because at her church, her pastor told her that her leg wouldn't have been amputated. Uh, she was in a horse riding accident, and she ended up losing her leg in the horse riding accident. And her... Her pastor told her that if she just had more faith and prayed harder, she would not have lost her leg. That that's why the surgery to save her leg was not successful, and so it was her fault, not God's. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you said that, because that that, that was my response, too. Ooh, I don't know who would say such a thing. Uh, And, you know, this woman, I think, had all the right in the world. God isn't a wishing well. When we pray, though, God listens to absolutely everything we say. And God is always working for us. Now, does God answer our prayers the way we want? No, of course not. We all have prayed for people who have died. We have all prayed for people who were sick, who continued to be sick afterwards. But that doesn't mean that God didn't answer our prayer. And it doesn't mean that God's will was for the person to be sick or for the person to die to teach us something either. I remember when Owen was just a baby, and, and we first got the, the, the diagnosis that, that he had something very significantly wrong with him, and that his brain wasn't, wasn't normal, and, 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 and he was never going to be quote-unquote normal. And I remember praying, saying, God, please make this not true. Well, I got to tell you, 16 years later, it's still just as true now as it was then. But does that mean God didn't answer my prayer? No. Because what God did is God helped me to be a better person to take care of Owen. God didn't want Owen to have his issues to teach me to be a better person, which I have had people say. Um, But God answered my prayer in a different way. God helped me to be the person I needed to be. And sometimes what we'll find is when we pray, God will answer in a totally different way. That person who we prayed for might have died, but you know what? They have been restored to wholeness, and one day we will be with them. Where if they had stayed here, perhaps they would have been in constant pain for the rest of their life. Jesus knew that God was with him. And he prayed that he didn't have to die on the cross. But just because he did, didn't mean that God didn't listen to him. What it means is God said, I will be with you. And we'll find out in the next couple of weeks as we look at this, that God was with Jesus. And God will be with you. And we'll walk with you no matter what happens. My friends, we need to always make sure that we put God first in our lives. And that it's God's will that we need to be focusing on, not our own. I want to finish real quick with uh, a prayer that has always been helpful to me. It's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. Some of you might have heard it. Uh, it's, it's in our uh, uh, hymnals. Uh, it's, it's a prayer that we often use in, in Methodist churches. And it's a prayer that uh, Methodists have used for centuries to, to help us to focus on God's will when we pray and not our own. It goes like this. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what to what you will, place me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful, holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine, I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Amen. My friends, let us always remember that God is with us. On good days and bad. I remember what Jesus said when he found his disciples asleep. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. God knows that. And he still loves us and cares for us despite that. Let us remember that. As we go through this week of Lent. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Lord, we know that when we are scared, when we are having problems, we are to pray. And we know that you are with us and that while you may answer our prayers in ways we're not expecting, you will answer. You never leave us alone. You might help us, Lord, to face an obstacle that we want removed, but you are always with us. Lord, when we pray, help us to pray that your will will be done and not our own. Help us to focus on your kingdom. Thank you for all that you do. And most especially, thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.